Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Market Foolery. Find the right people for your business this year at LinkedIn.com/fool and get fifty dollars off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com/fool. Terms and conditions apply. It's Tuesday, February nineteenth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio we have Motley Fool analyst Ron Gross and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we doing? Hey, hey, Matt. How are you, guys? I'm good. We're going to talk some war on cash. Jason, one of your favorite topics. No. We're going to talk some Facebook and AI. I mean, AI robots. Who doesn't love robots? The people that are saying it's going to end the world. Okay. Besides the people who are saying <laughs> everybody it's going to end else the world. likes. Okay. Chris, okay. Chris Hill seems to have a pretty rational fear of the rise of the machines. That's too, true. So. Our, our, our future overlords. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but let's begin with Walmart and some really, really impressive earnings here, Ron. Same-store sales in the U.S. up 4.2%. Groceries and toys, two of the big highlights. E-commerce sales up 43%. I had to really hit the E there, because you don't really think of Walmart with e-commerce, and the stock up around 3%. So, some happy holidays for Walmart, huh? Yeah, really, really strong. This is 18 quarters of U.S. comparable sales growth. And if you recall, five years ago or so, let's say, all we talked about is how they needed to turn the U.S. business, or this was going to be a company in trouble. And kudos to them for really getting that done 18 quarters later. Um, what a streak. Um, and as you said, the, the numbers are great. Comp sales of 4.2% is very strong. Uh, strength in grocery sales, online orders, as you mentioned, e commerce up 43%. Holiday purchases, including toys, were, were quite strong. Um, they did have a little bit of a benefit from the government shutdown. It caused the government to. Um, Move up the distribution of food stamps, um, and that actually had an impact—a small impact—but it did um, improve sales just a bit here. That wouldn't happen again in the future. But you know, traffic was up a little bit less than one percent. That's not amazing, but it's fine. What's better is that the average shopper's ticket was up three point three percent. So those two things combined. To uh, to have some nice increase in sales. That all sounds good, Jason. What's not to like here? Uh, well, I mean, nothing really. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for in investment, right? I mean, if you go back five years and you look at how Walmart has performed, I mean, on an absolute basis, it's returned you some money, right? Uh, on a, on, a, on a comparison with the market, it's trailing the market. That's understandable. You throw Amazon into the mix there, and then you can see very clearly, uh, you know, the premium that the market's been willing to assign. Amazon because of the move towards e-commerce, but I think when it comes to Walmart, you have to look a little bit beyond the e-commerce part of of the market and understand that Amazon still has that little cloud business that I think is is a big <laughs> I've heard um, of that. is a big tailwind uh, for them and, and that is that is where it really differentiates itself from from Walmart. I mean, I really do adopt of the cap at Walmart for competing because I really think they're doing a wonderful job of of participating and competing in this space, but that's the one thing that Amazon has that Walmart doesn't. And I think that's why you would invest in Amazon over Walmart because you've got that cloud business that's operating on about a 30 billion dollar run rate. Amazon Web Services. Well, yeah, some of you may have heard of it, and, and I mean it's it's generating thirty plus percent operating margins. So that's where a lot of that profitability comes from. Whereas with Walmart, you know that is a retail play, and that's operating on a much thinner margin. But again, not taking any, anything away from Walmart. I mean, what Walmart has been doing has been very admirable, uh, particularly when you look at how how quickly e-commerce has reshaped the retail space. If you're looking for weakness. Um, 
you could probably point to international here for Walmart. Um, sales were actually down two percent. If you exclude currency, it looks a little better, up up almost three percent. But they've they've been struggling there. They've sold off their stores in Brazil recently. They merged their UK operations with a rival. Um, they spent sixteen billion dollars on Flipkart. Let's see how that goes. Um, I think we're going to see some pressure, at least in the near term, on earnings um, as a result of that acquisition. But perhaps it, it will end up, you know, uh, bearing fruit down the road. So international could use some firming, and and if they if they get the U.S. and the international business um, firing on all cylinders, if you will, at the yes, same time. If you say if, if if that happens at the same time, then you'll see the stock, you know, be a little bit less anemic. Okay, so I want to I want to tie those two points together because Jason was mentioning um, Amazon really kind of being assigned a, a multiple or a premium in part because of Amazon Web Services right. in the cloud business. I think as you look at Walmart's success, there's there's no question that there's going to be room for Walmart and Amazon for the in the near future. The question we have as investors is, can these both be market-beating stocks? If Walmart has struggled to beat the market recently. Is that going to change, or ultimately, does Amazon keep Walmart from being a market beater? So, I'd actually jump in here and say perhaps the reason why Walmart has not beaten the market over the past five years is because they really had to adapt quickly to a space that had changed seemingly overnight. Now, they've made that adjustment, I think, pretty well. And I think one place where Walmart still does Really well, especially when you compare it to Amazon as in grocery. Uh, now, Amazon's trying to participate more in that space, obviously, with the Whole Foods acquisition, but I think Walmart still has um, a leg up when it comes to the grocery space. And I think they'll probably continue to have that because I think their offering resonates with most of the people out there uh, in the country looking for value and convenience. I mean, with Amazon, sure, you're getting value and convenience, but Whole Foods, they're starting to push those prices back up. So they are kind of separating themselves a little bit from, from maybe the bigger market opportunity. So I, I would actually venture. I guess that Walmart can be a market-beating investment from today because they've adapted so well to the changing space. I think they've they've set themselves up for success. I think that's fair. Twenty-one times earnings, two percent dividend yield. I think it does have the potential to beat the market. Compare that to like a Costco, who's at twenty-eight times. You're paying a premium for a company like Costco. Um, Walmart a little bit cheaper, and as a result, perhaps can be a market beater. Okay. Well, there you go. Bullish on Walmart, not. Quite as bullish on Costco is that is that fair <laughs> at the current price? It um, always comes quite. back to Costco. It's a great company. It's a great company, and it will be a great company for for the foreseeable future. The stock's not that cheap though. And dollar fifty hot dog and drink. <laughs> okay, so let's turn to the war on cash. Jason Moser, I know this is one of your favorite topics. Alphabet and Salesforce are investing seventy five million dollars in a UK online payment startup, Go Cardless. Now, Jason, this investment will help Go Cardless expand. To the U.S., what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, this is a drop in the bucket for Alphabet and Salesforce. I mean, this is just a rounding error for them, and so it's it makes a lot of sense for them to uh, try to invest a little bit in the space to participate because clearly we've seen this move towards a cashless society, uh, not only on the consumer consumer side but on the the commercial side as well, and that's what um, that's what Go Cardless does. Now, Go Cardless is working in a specific niche um, where they're working with businesses and their recurring payments. So, if you're a business with a recurring payment, perhaps it's a subscription or some type of bill that you're paying, they're working with those businesses to get more a part of that market. And so, from the consumer side, for an analogy, let's just liken it to, you know, you have your mortgage payment 
direct debited from your account, from your checking account every month. I mean, I'd love to be able to put my mortgage payment on my credit card every month just because that would be free points. Yeah, that'd be pretty that'd be cool. Great. But you know, we can't do that. And so the next the next logical thing is to have your bank go ahead and just withdraw that money on on behalf of of the mortgage company. And so they're essentially Go Cardless is working in that in that uh, realm, so to speak. And it, it, it is a very Lucrative market. I mean, when you look at business to business opportunity, MasterCard uh, was recently quoted on their call calling that opportunity the dollars that flow through that business to business network on a global basis. I'm going to give you a guess, Mac. How big do you think that number is? Wild guess. It's in the billions. It's in the multiple billions. $125 trillion. Wow. Oh my gosh. Now I'm not talking, I'm talking about the money that flows through all of those networks. When you look domestically, you're looking at about a $25 trillion network. And so that's why they're trying to play into that market because even just capturing a small slice of it is meaningful for a company like Go Cardless. And and so it, working on those recurring payments uh, as as a direct debit versus making a card payment, there there are puts and takes for for either way you do it. But I think in a lot of cases with businesses that are looking to uh, you know have have a, a recurring predictable payment taken out from their account, I mean that's just an easy way to do it. Okay, guys. Well, before we get to our final story, I want to say thanks to LinkedIn. Now, Ron and Jason, I know both of you are involved in hiring here at the Motley Fool. Is that a true statement? It, it is, is our pleasure. Statement. It is a true statement. Well, you know, we just that, hired some people. As a matter of fact, well, there you go. Yeah. And you know that making that perfect hire, hiring the right people, can really set your team up for success. But where do you find that person? Where? LinkedIn. Uh, That's where. You know, at LinkedIn, LinkedIn, when you post your job, you have access to an engaged community that people visit every day. Now, most LinkedIn members aren't checking job boards regularly, but nine out of ten LinkedIn members are open to and interested in new opportunities like yours. And with most of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. Guys, get this stat: a new hire is made every eight. Seconds using LinkedIn. Wow, I was on it this weekend. No lie, isn't that incredible? Eight seconds. That is a lot. So you can find the right people for your business this year at LinkedIn.com/fool and get fifty dollars off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com/fool. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, guys. For our final story, we're going to talk some AI. We're going to talk some Facebook. Is Facebook coming after Siri and Alexa? Well, maybe, Jason. Facebook announced a partnership with Intel last month, and now, according to the Financial Times, Facebook is hoping its AI chips will power a virtual assistant that's smarter than Apple Siri and Amazon's Alexa. Jason, what do you think when you hear Facebook and AI and coming after Alexa and Siri? Kind of want to run for the hills. I feel like maybe <laughs> it's a I feel scary, like maybe, maybe we've had it. Um, so I, I think that I think that that is the sexy headline talking about that AI that is going to be smarter than anything on the face of the earth. And and I, I don't blame him for trying to put that across. I think this, in the near term at least, is a bet on Facebook's part in trying to. Uh, find a way to moderate the content on their platforms in a better way. Right now, I mean, what we're finding is that moderation is not very scalable, and and a lot of things keep slipping through the cracks. And so they're working with Intel, for example, to develop this AI chip that would ultimately help them do that, help them moderate the content on their platforms, which then creates a more engaging platform, which then brings more advertising customers in, and that's Facebook's bread and butter, right? Is advertising res- uh, revenue. So I mean, from that perspective, it makes total sense. Um, that. That 
that's that's what they need to be focused on right now. Because I mean, it could be argued that um, they're in a bit of a bind. And, and if you look even out to India, I think India is a good example here with WhatsApp. Uh, just recently reading about how the government in India is really cracking down on the content that is making its way onto these platforms. And if they if they have their way there, I mean, that's one of WhatsApp's biggest markets. It would really stifle communication on that platform, which would really stifle any potential monetization opportunities Facebook has with WhatsApp. And I think we're all still questioning whether that was really a fair price that they paid back when they acquired WhatsApp, something like $20 billion. They haven't really produced any kind of meaningful monetization from it yet. So, really, this is all about Facebook trying to figure out how to make its its platform more engaging and to, and to be able to filter that, that bad content out. Now, down the road, sure, they could come up with an assistant that, that is smarter than Siri or Alexa. Do I think they will? No, I don't. I mean, I think that um, they say a lot of things and, and they fail at a lot of things too. I mean, there's this portal thing, which I don't know is really gaining any traction whatsoever. There was an assistant uh, recently in Messenger. I think it was coined yep. M. Yes, they shut that down. Uh, you know, I mean, you got to explain to me why this assistant matters. Tell me what I'm going to be doing with it. Right now, I think we're seeing a lot of the novelty wear off with a lot of these assistants, assistants as it stands. Yeah, I don't have much to add there except for those who are dying for some insight into the gross household over the weekend. I am. It should be known that just um, Sunday, I believe it was, I asked Alexa what she thought of Siri. Because I was bored, and she she answered me. She said something to the effect of, "I am fond of all AIs." That's well, nice. very diplomatic. That's, it was very diplomatic. So, diplomatic. So you know, if you want to have some fun on the weekends, yeah. pop over to my home. Amazon is working on the same type of thing, right? Amazon uh, building their own chips, just like Facebook partnering with Intel. But it's a matter of what they're doing with those chips. Yeah. Amazon building that technology to basically. Let their cloud customers use. Okay, so if you're a cloud customer and you're using Amazon technology and it's more intuitive and it's helping your business, well, that's probably going to keep you in that network for a little bit longer. And that's a good thing ultimately for Amazon. But it falls really in line with that Jeff Bezos philosophy we've we've come to know and love, and that he wants to make money from you and those enterprises out there using. Amazon devices and technology, not from buying the technology. The blades, not the razor. Apple, yeah. There you go. Well, the Desert Island question, guys, and once again, the caveat, do not invest this way at home. (laughs) It's just a fun throwaway question in the show. If you're on a desert island for the next five years and you can own only one of these stocks, what are you going with? Walmart, Google, slash Alphabet, or Facebook? Hmm, Jason? So, speaking as an Alphabet shareholder and not owning either of the other two, I'm going to stick with my guns and go with Alphabet. I just think there's too much opportunity there with with what they're doing today. Search, I should mention Salesforce, to me, too. I'll throw in Salesforce. Are you going to give me Salesforce for free? I mean, I don't know. I just think Search is forever, and the other properties they have with Waze and, and YouTube and Maps, just a lot of different ways to monetize some very valuable properties there. Okay, I'm going to have to agree, I think. I, I think Google's the way to go out of those four. Okay, very interesting. Ron and Jason, thanks for joining me. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.